Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hello and welcome to the Autosport Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Kalanorkas. On the show today, we're bringing you an exclusive conversation with Formula One sporting boss, Ross Braun, as the latest interview in our Thinking Forward series. Motorsport Network President James Allen spoke to Ross about the plan to finally get F1 racing in 2020 at the FIA e-conference. They discussed the challenges of organising the newly planned first eight races of the 2020 season, the rise of esports and its importance during the lockdowns, and the various complications that still surround filling in the remaining gaps on the Formula One calendar. Braun also voices his hope that this new spirit of collaboration between the FIA, Formula One and the teams as a result of the coronavirus crisis, which brought about the new series of rule changes and the new budget gap, will continue into the future. We hope you enjoy this episode. Just give us an idea of the scale of the challenge that you were faced with to get Formula One restarted. Pretty massive challenge and um, you know, a huge logistical exercise. And I think the thing we've, um, it's obvious, but we've discovered is it changes every day. Uh, the situation around the world is changing every day. The situation with this virus and pandemic is changing every day. And the understanding of it all is changing every day. So we're having to be very uh, nimble with the group uh, that are working on it to adjust uh, our approach as we go along. Um, the thing we have to really take into account is we're a, uh, an unusual sport in how uh, international we are. And we have to ensure that Formula One sets a good standard, the highest standard, as we travel around the world. We can't, we can't just drop into the lowest common denominator of where we are. Some countries are obviously in a better place than others. Uh, we have to have the highest standard. So we, uh, we're welcome wherever we go. And uh, that's been one of the key objectives. 
What were the key building blocks to successfully putting the new calendar together? Um, as I say, it's different. Uh, the situation is different throughout the world. And I think the fact that we were prepared to accept uh, closed races in the early part of the season gave us more opportunity. That's not the ideal. It's not the ideal for any sport because the, the fans are such a crucial part of it. But uh, we felt that going racing and uh, broadcasting racing and engaging the fans with racing in what ways they could was still uh, much more desirable than doing nothing. So um, approaching closed fans events gave us the bulk of the European season. Of course, we can adjust that as we progress and how we come to understand where we are with this pandemic. So our first first half of the season is European-based. Um, we're still pretty fluid on the second half. I think we're confident we're going to finish in Bahrain and Abu Dhabi, but we're filling in the space in between. So obviously our audience today is primarily made up of the national sporting federations, the ASNs around the world. What are some of the learnings that you can share from the, from the top of the pyramid, if you like, with our national sporting authorities? Well, I think motor racing, the nature of motor racing and uh, racing all over the world. And if I, if I think back to what the objectives of the teams are, you know, the meticulous approach the, to both logistics and engineering and procedures and protocol is what we've transferred into our approach to dealing with this challenge. And uh, working very closely with the FIA, uh, we've come up with the protocols and codes of practice that we need to apply. So I think it suits our culture, it suits our philosophy of working through every scenario, plan A, plan B, plan C. Uh, I mean, often when you see uh, races and you think a team's done a fantastic strategy, that strategy has never been worked out on the pit wall. It was worked out back at the factory days or even weeks before. And that's what we have to do. We have to look at every scenario and develop um, all our ideas beforehand. And we will live and, we, you know, we will live and learn at each race. And that's the nature of Formon. It's very military-like in its approach. Uh, safety and medical excellence have always been right at the heart, well, particularly for the last sort of 20, 30 years of, of Formula One. How important was that when telling the story to the sort of health ministries of governments around the world about, you know, to give you the, the confidence, that, to give them the confidence to, to let you to put on races in their countries? Uh, absolutely crucial. And I think this is where the FI have been um, instrumental with the FI medical experts and medical group we've been able to put together a credible and um, high quality approach on, on that side of things. I think if Formula One alone had been doing it, then it wouldn't have had the you know, seriousness or kudos of, of the FIA medical group doing it. And uh, I think that's been a, a vital part. And the code of practice that's been developed will be for all road racing. There's a specific uh, additional code that we're going to apply to Austria because of the circumstances and Formula One, but the code of practice that's been uh, developed is something which will be uh, usable by all the FIA championships. And, uh, and I think those, um, those, that protocol would develop as we go along. Uh, I, I've already seen some adjustments to it because of the greater understanding and the changes in the um, uh, situations. And um, as I say, our approach has to be at the highest standard of wherever we go. We can't just uh, go to a country and say, well, this country is a bit more relaxed, so we can relax our procedures. We're not going to do that. 
but that that's been vital to take to the authorities and show the seriousness and quality of the approach that F1 and the FIA are going to take. Well, like all sports, and obviously we'll be hearing from Christian uh, from the Bundesliga in a moment, you're, you're having to start, as you mentioned, behind closed doors. But how realistic do you think the prospect is, Ross, of, of actually getting some spectators in to witness some Formula One motor racing before the end of the 2020 championship? Um, well, we won't rush that. Uh, I think some of the later European races are optimistic, but uh, I think we prefer not to plan on that. Um, I think it's where we go to the flyway races that we can start to hope that we will have uh, fans, but even that's not absolutely guaranteed. I think to have the race in safe and secure uh, environment is, is critical. And we, I say, we're going around the world. We can't have a problem in one country that stops us going to other countries. So we'll progress slowly on that front. Um, you know, the fans for us are critical. Uh, and there's a lot of atmosphere and um, uh, ambiance created by the fans. We're probably not quite as strong as it is in football. Maybe we'll talk about it later, but you, know, you go to a football stadium and it's very intense. You know, some races can be like that, a lot of races less so. So it's perhaps not quite so critical for us um, the, having the fans at the race, but we do want to see them because they do add a lot of atmosphere, don't get me wrong. But um, I think we'll take that very gradually and and we certainly won't. We don't want to jump in and have to jump out again when we find a problem. Obviously, given the circumstances, I'd, I'd expect you're going to have a lot of goodwill on your side from, from uh, everybody involved in the community, but the fans as well. And that gives you an opportunity with the exceptional circumstances, I guess, to try a few different things that maybe you have wanted to have a look at in terms of formats and that kind of thing. Obviously, I'm sure keeping away from gimmicks because this is Formula One, but we've seen some discussion about reverse grid races and that sort of thing. So what kind of traction are you getting from those ideas and, and which ones particularly appeal to you and think might have some legs? Well, we, we introduced the concept of um, a qualifying race, uh, which was based on reverse championship order. So the qualifying race would start in reverse championship order and then that would take you through to the main event, which would be the race on Sunday. And we discussed that last year. And we had, we had pretty good support for that, but not unanimous. Uh, and it's been the same case this year. There's been some teams who uh, haven't felt that's something we should be doing. Our concern was simply where we have races, two races at the same track. Because of the situation this year, we're going to have two races in Austria, two races at Silverstone, uh, possibly two races later in the year, one or other of the tracks. And the second race, um, you know, we wanted to see if there was an opportunity to try a different format. There's some small things we can do with uh, selection of tire compounds and one or two other things, but I think they're quite minor. One or two tracks later in the year have the added attraction they can run in a different configuration. So that might be an opportunity if we have a second race there to run the track in a different configuration and create some difference between the two races. But I suspect Austria is going to be pretty exciting beginning of the season nature of the track there, uh, everyone's settling in and uh, I think we will find that we'll have two exciting races there without doing anything to it. Um, but it's just later in the year we were uh, perhaps looking at these changes. 
Obviously, this pandemic and the associated lockdown have basically brought economies to a halt around the world. And a lot of big companies, manufacturers and, and sponsors of the sport have all been affected by that. There's, there's redundancies, there's a lot of belt tightening, etc. How does Formula One work forward in terms of its appeal to manufacturers and sponsors? How, and how conscious are you of the acuteness of the situation? Well, as you know, we've been working on um, the budget cap which is probably one of the biggest impacts on the cost of going Formula One racing. We've been working on that for, since I rejoined Formula One. And that had um, reached its culmination before this crisis. Uh, but this crisis, I think, um, gave us the opportunity. We knew the budget cap always would. Once you set a budget cap, you can always adjust it. And before this ever happened, we'd said that if we ever have a crisis in the future, we can adjust the budget cap to take account and all accept that um, you know, the, the ideal level, the equilibrium changes. And I think without the ability for these teams to go back to their boards and go back to the manufacturers and say, look, uh, Formula One is vital, it's important to us, and it's going to cost less in the future. Uh, I don't think they would, you know, we would have retained the number of manufacturers or big teams that we have because when a manufacturer is making the uh, economic adjustments it has to. If Form One's still out there uh, with unlimited spending, that's a difficult argument. And I think, touch wood, we've kept uh, all the main players uh, involved. And that's because we've been able to say that we're sustainable from an economic perspective. And that's been a vital tool. It's been very timely. I'm, I'm so glad we've had that. We're also changing the cars, but that was something we were doing anyway. Uh, but they're more focused on what we feel are the areas the fans engage with, instead of spending a lot of money on things the fans know nothing about. And um, uh, I think they're going to be better looking cars. They're certainly going to be able to race each other more effectively. So there's a lot of things we were doing. We've got our, I think we'll talk about that maybe in a moment, but we've got our sustainability initiatives, which we started the last few years, which I think are important for engaging companies as well. They want to see a good sustainability strategy in Formula One. Um, and we need to do all that without spoiling the core attraction of Formula One, the excitement of Formula One. Now, Formula One's always been brilliant in terms of its speed of reaction, and we certainly saw that when this crisis started, but it's not always been so good at collaboration between the stakeholders, the FIA, Formula One, and the teams. And throughout your racing career, you've obviously got many painful memories of that. Now you're on this side of the fence, obviously with a tremendous relationship uh, with the FIA. That spirit of collaboration, I mean, I've been in Formula One for 30 years. I've never really seen anything like it before. Do you think that was coming anyway, or do you think the, the pandemic crisis kind of threw you into the need to do it? And can you sustain it going forward? Uh, I think it was there already. I think the, um, uh, particularly with the new management team at Formula One, Liberty, uh, Chase Carey, I think the, the approach and culture were different. And I think that the policy of cooperation uh, and us all succeeding together um, was much stronger. And um, certainly that's how I want to see things. And that's how we have seen things. And of course, with this pandemic, it's been absolutely vital. And I must say that the FI Formula One and the teams have worked incredibly closely and uh, constructively and positively in, in meeting this crisis. I've seen this before when we've had crises in Formula One. It's, and I think it applies to all mode racing. Uh, it's a united group of 
uh, enthusiasts and passionate people about what they do and, and they want to go out on the track and, and hammer each other. But, you know, when we have these crises, they come together remarkably well to solve the problems and to meet the challenges. And I think uh, all motorsports great in that respect. We put, put that competition to one side for the greater good. And I've seen that happen so many times. You know, my own case in 2009 with Braun GP, you know, when we had that crisis, the amount of support we had from other teams uh, was astonishing. And of course, until you hit the track, when it all changes. <laughs> but, you know, it is, it is um, I think we're in a very strong period of cooperation between the FIA Formula One and the teams. And we need to make the best use of it. Now, you mentioned sustainability a moment ago, and uh, uh, tomorrow we'll be talking with a panel, including your own Yath Gangakuma and the F1 Director of Strategy and Business Development, about motorsport needing to have a sense of purpose going forward. Now, Formula One has been taking steps with its net zero and carbon initiative uh, through YAF, and also in recent weeks as well, getting involved in the, in the hashtag Black Lives Matter and putting out a very strong message there. You've had the 3,500 Lives campaign together with the FIA and, uh, and some of the sponsors with no drink driving uh, campaigns and, and that sort of thing. Do you think a sense of purpose will have to become central to Formula One and motorsport in general uh, going forward? Yes, and, and I think you can never you can never ignore the core reason why we're doing this. You know, it's a competitive and entertaining, engaging sport. You mustn't lose that. So whatever we do, if that fails, then you've got no platform uh, to give a message. But I think Formula One is, um, if I may say, I think is a pinnacle of motorsport, and I think it has uh, a role to play in in um, set an example of how we operate and uh, from a sustainability perspective we're looking at um, fuels and what sort of power uh, units we require for the future that's our next focus after the budget cap and the, the car changes we're now focused on the power plant for the future and that should come in 2026 and what will be the relevant power plant what sort of fuel will it be using sustainable fuels um, and we are looking at um, uh, carbon Im impact. How can we uh, start initiatives? How can we change our practices to make sure that we have uh, a carbon zero, we can achieve carbon zero in the future? So, and I think Form One's very good at that. I think with the uh, resources we have, the technology we have, the intelligent people we have involved in the sport, and we can be a model for, for many manufacturers in terms of what we do. So I think the relevance comes in that, res in that respect. But we can never lose sight of the fact that we're an entertaining and engaging sport. And if we lose that, then um, I say we have no platform to talk from. So that always has to be uh, a very strong consideration in what we do. Well, obviously, there's been no physical racing over the last three months, Ross, but uh, eSports and sim racing has certainly stepped up and it's been its, its moment to shine. You've had your virtual F1 championship. We saw the extraordinary event uh, at Le Mans at the weekend with uh, 200 drivers in 37 countries on 170 rigs taking part. And we see really very much the rise of digital motorsport. We'll be talking about that in a special session on Thursday here in the FIA e-conference. But I just wanted to get your own thoughts on it as a, as a man, an engineer, a, very much a, a forward thinker. You've, you've seen esports rising, but what do you think about the way it's risen to the challenge during this lockdown period? Um, 
Well, it's been a, 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 a lifeline in this period to keep fans engaged and you know, with so many people in lockdown um, to be able to offer them this entertainment, this engagement, uh, this following has been been wonderful. I mean, I have to confess, I'm not a big eSport participant. Um, perhaps I'm a little too old. Uh, but, uh, you know, I've got grandchildren and they're very keen. And uh, I can see the passion they have for these things. Um, the thing I've seen that, that's very striking to me is how, because the real drivers have become involved in these initiatives, these events, how, uh, how well they've been able to engage with the fans. You know, one of our main objectives when we when I got involved again was to see how we could you know the message was constantly coming across from the fans they wanted to know more about the drivers you know they still see them in the car with a helmet on see them interviewed formally but what what are the drivers really like what are their characters like what do they do uh, how do they live and of course with esports you've got a much better insight into the drivers personalities and their characters and their nature and that's been uh, uh, a real boon. And um, you know, Lando Norris and George Russell and all those guys that you probably wouldn't have seen quite so much of have suddenly come to the forefront. Pictures and their personalities have come out. And um, I think that's been a really uh, useful element of uh, e-racing. And um, uh, and we always supported it, as you know. We had our uh, e-racing championship with every Formula One team participating, but they would be with professional gamers most of the time. And I think the um, the real racing drivers taking part has been uh, a massive boost to e-racing. I couldn't agree with you more about the the drivers, the Leclercs, and I mean his Twitch channel has been hugely entertaining, as has Lando Norris throughout this period. And what I guess we don't want to do is lose that when you go back to real racing. You, you, I guess, are you keen to get the teams and the drivers to try and keep that that communication channel open, if you like, so it doesn't go back to being a you know too straight, if you want, and too corporate controlled. It, they can ha they can express themselves, and and how important that is to to reach that younger generation. I'm sure that will have a lot more support and uh, a lot more resource in the future. So we've seen you know massive positives in that side, and we're not going to want to let them go. So um, Paul very committed to it. Well, Ross, it's been brilliant to talk to you. Thank you so much for, for taking the time. You're, you're probably the busiest, busiest man in motorsport at the moment as we're, what, 19 days away, I think, from your first Grand Prix. How, how are the nerves? Are you, are you feeling confident? Uh, yeah, normal anxiety. But, you know, we have people going to Austria next week. Uh, so it's, um, it's, it's, uh, it's happening. So um, it's real time now. It's so exciting. We're all really looking forward to it. And all the very best of luck to you and uh, the Formula One team and everybody else in getting Formula One restarted again. Thank you again for joining us, Ross. Thank you. Good luck to everyone. Well, I hope you enjoyed the latest interview in our Thinking Forward series. And thanks to Ross and James for their time. Tell us what you think of these shows on our various social media channels using the handle at Autosport. And if you're enjoying this series, we'd love you to share it with someone else who would be interested. Thanks very much, and we'll be back soon with another episode of the Autosport Podcast. Music is 6am by Trilo. 
written by Marcus Simmons. See soundcloud.com slash Trilo Music. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Wendy's nose cold and soggy fries are the worst. So soggy. That's why we're serving up hot and crispy fries all day, every day. And all night. Until close. With natural cut potatoes, sea salted to perfection. Show me that potato skin. Wendy's hot and crispy aren't like other fries. We're your dream fry. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's hot and crispy fries. Guaranteed to be hot and crispy. If yours aren't, bring them back and we'll replace them. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.